Hey everyone, welcome to the PowerPlay podcast special edition with our guest Jameson Coyle from the NHL Network. I am Michael Ledoux. I am the Dan Dallin. I am Cameron Dallin. And I'm Trey Ledoux. Awesome guys. Welcome Jameson. Thanks for joining us on the PowerPlay podcast. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, no, appreciate you guys inviting me. Uh, it's been a long time since I talked to you, Mike. So that's, you know, a blast from the past, but happy to be here with you guys and uh, chatting some hockey. That's awesome. That's really good. And it took a lot of logistics, man. It seems like you're a really busy guy. We were like bouncing all these different times off you. So thanks for jumping on. Yeah. Yeah. With, with the way the world is, with the way the NHL is these days and with the way, you know, having a seven and a four-year-old who are also running around like maniacs this time of year, it's uh, yeah, logistically challenging, but we made it and uh, I am yours for the next 45 minutes to an hour, whatever you need me. Awesome. Uh, I don't think we'll keep you that long because we know you're quite busy. And plus, uh, we have hockey practice tonight, too, don't we, yeah. boys? And so, yeah, in yeah. an hour, I got to go uh, and, uh, pick up somebody so Cameron and I can get up to the rink for practice. Mike's a, you know, Mike, he's a slave driver here. <laughs> yeah, Jim, I'm coaching the team, a 14U uh, Bantam team up here in Watertown, New York, and uh, train Cam play on that team. So, uh, Ian Cam's got quite a ride. He's, he's helped how far are you from Syracuse? You're pretty close to Syracuse. You're like closer to Syracuse than you are us, right, Ted? Barely, it's barely. Like 10 minutes, like a 10 minute difference. Yeah. Yeah. And Syracuse is about, I went, to, I went to Cuse for college. So right. all, all those upstate New York, I know it well. Yeah. yeah good we old lady one. Yeah. <laughs> we live in Parrish, you know? So if we go South, we hit snow right away. We go North, we hit snow right away. Just what yeah. we do. Yeah. So we're busy. Hey, let's uh, let's jump into it. Uh, I just wanted to start off. We had a bunch of questions for you. Wanted to kind of learn where you came from in hockey. Tell us a little bit about uh, growing up and playing hockey and, and, you know, how you got to be interested in the sport of hockey. And I know you played other sports as well. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in New Hampshire and, um, you know, hockey's kind of a, a big thing there, um, or at least it was popular when I was a kid and whatnot. So it was something that, you know, I, I kind of, wanted to learn how to skate and whatnot. And I, I remember a couple of my, my elementary school friends doing it as well. So my earliest memory of, of like organized hockey was my, my parents taking me to a, um, like a learn to skate kind of session. And I, I spent, I think 55 minutes of the 60 minute session, literally like on all fours, trying to figure out how to skate and whatnot. And you know, as soon as we came home, my mom was thinking in the back of her mind, like, oh, my God, that's the first and last time he's ever going to want to play ice hockey and whatnot. And it couldn't have been more the opposite. I told her I loved it. Um, and, you know, I've stuck with it ever since. And so just kind of, you know, just playing in the in-house leagues and whatnot all the way up through high school. And then, you know, like most people in the sport realized that I'm, I didn't have the talent to take it to the next level. So, I asked myself, what, what could I do to stay involved in the game that's given me so much? And, you know, I kind of went the broadcasting route. So still involved with hockey today. But, yeah, it started started all the way back, I think, when I was five uh, or whatnot, just putting on the skates for the first time. And, you know, that love has, has never left. Yeah. These two guys are still in – these guys are in the middle of it right now, these, yeah. these 14-year-olds. Enjoy it. It goes by fast. And then you'll realize that, uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't last forever or at least. Right. Now as a kid what you know, uh, 
I think, you know, I hate to segue in and steal your thunder here, but I think you won some type of championship in high school that I remember. I love it. The glory days. Yeah. That, yes. was, that was the pinnacle. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll start off. We started off as freshmen and I think we won one game that year. So it was uh, it was a great life lesson of kind of sticking with it, sticking with the team mentality. And, you know, by the time we became seniors, yeah, we, we, we won the state title uh, for New Hampshire. So it was, it was pretty cool to see where we started. Um, and I'll take it even further back than that. We all started pretty much together playing for the Gate City Wings, which turned out to be the National yep. Panthers. So we all kind of came up the ranks together. So to kind of, yeah, win the state title our senior year and go out on top like that, it's, uh, it, it was a really, really cool moment. Yeah, that's got to be. Who so, did you play actually, that year? You, was, what, you, what year was that? Yeah. Oh, oh, now you're dating me. 2002 is when we uh, when I graduated high school. So um, right. even the final, it was St. Thomas Aquinas. And we played right. at UNH, you know, full crowd and stuff. So it was it was a great atmosphere. It was a great game and whatnot. But our our oh. biggest game, I would say even bigger than that. And for anybody who doesn't know the New Hampshire area, we played Bishop Girton in the semifinals, and that was like our arch rival. It was the public school versus the private school. And, uh, and I mean, these guys waxed us every year, multiple mm. times of year. So to get them in the semifinal and then move on to the state championship, it was, uh, it was kind of the icing on the cake before we got to eat the cake. So I'm, I'm curious if you could fill us in uh, between you, Mike, how do you guys know each other? I mean, sure. Mike is from New Hampshire as well, but it's a small state, but it's not that small that everybody no. knows each other. Yeah. A small state, but a huge school. So I, I, I know Mike from, from the school, I believe you were the in-house police officer, right? Back when I was at national high school. Yes. High school lacrosse coach as well. That is correct. So I, um, I just lost my internet connection. I was bouncing around. How am I now, guys? Am I okay? Yeah. Yeah, you hear me fine? Yeah. Uh, Jameson, I went into – I was um, on the police department and in, two, in 1999, actually. Uh, I, I got uh, stationed, well, assigned to Nashua High School. And um, actually in 93 and 94, I coached the, the high school team the high school hockey team. But then in, uh, 90, in 2001, uh, I started coaching lacrosse with a guy by the name of Darren Flurry. And, um, we got pretty good. We were in the same boat as you, quite honestly, as a hockey program. Um, we were, we had struggled as a lacrosse program. They had been very good under Gordy Webb, who had won a state championship with him against Pinkerton, which is kind of the arch rival, uh, in, in the lacrosse realm. And then, um, yeah, we got, you know, a, a lot of your classmates and kids that you went to school with, kids like, uh, like you know, Josh Mannheim and, and Sean Sullivan. And a bunch of those guys really came through and, and developed our program to the point where, um, you know, we wound up in the, in the state semifinals and lost. And I actually had a kid uh, that played for me by the name of Tyler Seymour, who played in the Dome and actually beat Syracuse. He played for West Point back in uh, probably maybe when you were to school there, actually. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, you know, that's I think that's how our, our paths crossed. And yeah. I, you know, I, I was a big supporter of the hockey program at Nashville too, because so many kids, Brendan Farrell, I mean, that was a lot of kids that, yeah. you know, played for me. Yeah. And your office, I remember was like the hangout. So if you get like a <laughs> or something like that, everybody yeah. would kind of go to Mike's office and whatnot. That was kind of the, the spot to be, but only if yeah. you're friends. Otherwise, if you were in that spot, that wasn't usually a good situation. <laughs> <laughs> so lucky right. for me, like 
like I was never in that boat, but yeah, no, we were, uh, I, I remember you well and strong supporter of the hockey program. And, and I know a lot of my teammates on the hockey team, you know, in the spring played for you in lacrosse and whatnot. So yeah, it goes, right. goes way back, <laughs> way back to 2002. Gotcha. And that, go ahead, Dan. Well, I was going to say, and so now you, after high school, you went to SU, but uh, did not play hockey there, correct? Or did you? No, I had the choice of playing club hockey or club baseball there. And, um, you know, I just, I wanted something, the commitment for the club hockey was a, a lot, it was a much bigger commitment than club baseball. And at that point, you know, I really wanted to focus on my academics, um, you know, <laughs> making sure I graduated from Syracuse so I could do what I want to do. Um, and you know, I mean, the hockey commitment was, you know, practices very early in the morning, you know, how ice time is hard to get, whereas baseball field, mm -hmm. uh, in Syracuse was pretty easy. So for me, um, I enjoyed both of them looking back on it. Would I, would I try to do both probably knowing that I could kind of balance all of that, but yeah, I, I kind of had to pick. So I figured I would do the baseball thing, you know, a little bit lighter load in the springtime and, and just be a college student going to. Syracuse basketball games, Syracuse football games, things like that. Whereas the commitment for hockey was a, it was a lot bigger commitment at that time. Hey, Jim, did you, did you guys win a state championship in baseball too? I know you got really far. I know you had a really good team. Yeah. yeah we won it yeah. our junior year all the way. And then senior year, we lost in the state championship. So, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, Gill like, stadium in Manchester, that. right? We, yeah. I forget. yeah. Gill stadium. Yeah. I think I was there. Yeah. Yeah, I forget that one, but I, it goes back to what you said, Dan, about just, you know, it was a small state, but we had a huge school. I think we mm -hmm. had like 4,000 kids or something like that. It was just a, it was wow. now they split into two high schools, but so we, I mean, we dominated, dominated a lot of athletics just because we had so many kids to pick. From. Yeah. I mean, the school was so big, Dan, that uh, when I first was there, it was actually 3,000 kids, 10, 11, and 12 freshmen didn't even go there. They went to the junior high schools, but they could play high school sports. And then they wound up splitting the schools in half, I think, in 05 or 06. Yeah, no, right after, right yeah. after I left in 03. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Graduating class of what is National High School. Now it's North and right. South. North I remember South, sitting right. there at Holman Stadium on graduation day being like, who's that? Who's that? Like, <laughs> and I, I, meet kids, I met kids at Syracuse that had literally like high school graduating classes of like 47 and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, no, we had like 1,500. So, <laughs> is a small state but yeah we had we had a massive high school so tell us about uh, i guess tell us about life at su what what was broadcasting like what, like what was your major and how how did that all play out yeah so i went there for um communications and you know broadcasting to be more specific just because i knew that you know right off the hop i would get as much hands-on experience as i can and to this day, any kid that asks me or is kind of up in the air about going to Syracuse, you know, I, I sell them. I give them my whole the whole pitch because I know right as a freshman, you can walk in that door and really, really get hands on stuff. I mean, I was doing more at Syracuse than I was doing in my first job out of Syracuse. The technology, the money, the investment from the, you know, some of the esteemed graduates of the Newhouse Communication School. I mean, they there's just there's such a commitment to uh, excellence when it comes to the communications there. They have a, a reputation that they're, they're trying to up, uphold each and every year. So it's uh, you, you get in there and you get your hands dirty right as a freshman and you come out and you're just ready to, you know, hit the workforce uh, running. So yeah, Cuse was great. It was busy. But like I said, I mean, my freshman year uh, was Carmelo Anthony's year. Uh, I had a class with Carmelo Anthony, which was really cool. They won the national yeah. titles. So 
you know, as a college student, getting to watch that and watch your your school win their first ever national title, like in March Madness, it was it was the perfect college experience. So, and I met a lot of great friends my freshman year that I'm still, you know, we were all in each other's weddings and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I mean, the college experience at Syracuse, the only thing I would change, and you guys know from being, you know, in upstate New York, Western New York, it's that lake effect snow. Nothing prepares me for that. That was, <laughs> that was ridiculous. It's nothing. Come on. You should come north. <laughs> yeah. Know. Watertown's even worse. We get that lake yeah. effect. Well, oh, between us and Syracuse, way. it's that right. lake. Oh my God. Right across 81. Over. Yeah. You know, yeah. the Syracuse airport wins regularly the snowiest airport in the world. Oh, I believe right. it. I believe right. it. But yeah, as a college student, I wasn't flying much. I was taking buses and <laughs> one train home for Christmas. They were said they were having some kind of electrical issue, so the door wouldn't close. And of course, that door was my cart. So I think it was an eight-hour train ride from Cuse all the way back to you know wherever I picked it up in Lowell, Massachusetts, or something right. like that. The door right. wouldn't close, so I was I was like a popsicle. They gave wow. us hot chocolate to keep us warm. There you it. go. Yeah, you go bathe in it. That would help. So I got a selfish question for you, Jameson. Let's say somebody doesn't take broadcasting or communication in college and they wait until their mid 40s to find a love for broadcasting and calling games. What the heck, man? What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> Keep it going because those resources are available to people now, right? So back when I was graduating school, there was no YouTube. Um, there, I didn't, the term podcast didn't even exist, right? right. So now, again, whether you're 40, whether you're 20, whether you're 18, um, my suggestion and my advice to people these days is if you want to get into broadcasting, do it because nothing's holding you back, right? There's, you could fire up a YouTube channel today. You can fire up a podcast today and you can, I talked about just getting hands-on experience. You can do that. Whereas back in my day, I had to, you know, call up local TV stations. Hey, can I, can I shadow you for a day and stuff like that? Whereas, you know, a lot of these kids are way ahead of wherever I was coming out of high school and college, just because they have the hands-on experience. They have hockey shows or whatever the heck they right. want to talk about. Like it is at your discretion. So you know, it all comes down to work ethic and drive. And if you really want it, I mean, all of this technology is right at your fingertips. So there's there's literally nothing holding people back from jump, jumping into broadcasting, no matter what your age is. Even if you're 14, right, Trey? Yeah. That's right. Trey does a color call. Color, he's a, my color analyst when we do games up in Watertown. Nice. That, now that takes a skill. You know, I work with a yeah. lot of good analysts right now and just – how they get in and out of plays and how they see the game so differently is just, mm -hmm. you know, I, I kind of, you know, I thought I knew the sport of hockey until I got to the NHL network and just seeing how analysts see the game. It's, it's completely different. So I have no doubt, Trey, that you see it way better than most of us talking right now. <laughs> When's the last game? What, what was the last game he did? He did a high school game. Was it Baldwinsville? Uh, last <laughs> week? No, Baldwinsville was in Baldwinsville. Okay, uh, that's right. It was the other game uh, Liverpool. that week. Liverpool. 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 Okay, yeah, so Jameson, if you want to hear Trey, man, you just got to go to my YouTube channel, the Van <laughs> Allen, and look up IHC in Liverpool, and uh, you can watch yeah, and yeah. listen to Trey. Hey, with no NHL games right now, I'm, I'm looking for something. <laughs> so you'll get another oh, Check view. it out. I got, exactly. I got college games. I got high school games galore. I got youth hockey go. going on there. Nice. Yep. 
I'll be doing yeah. Trey and Cameron's game this coming Sunday, I believe, as long as I clear that with my wife. Actually, if I commit to you, Jamison, now I got to do it. I got to do hockey <laughs> instead of going to an indoor softball tournament. Yeah, see, now I've got to go ask my boss, my wife, if I can even, <laughs> you know, carve out time for that these days. That's, that's, right. that's how that works. <laughs> hey, so, Jamie, after college, did you uh, it, did you go right to Nesson or how did Because no. No, no. Um, yeah, it was, it was a long journey, but you know, one that I wouldn't change, uh, for a second. So my first job out of Syracuse was a small town in Georgia, Dalton, Georgia, very independent TV station. I actually started off as a news reporter, hated okay. it. I was at city council meetings talking about paving sidewalks and things like that. <laughs> I was like, Oh, what have I done? You know, all my other buddies, my college roommates and stuff are working on wall street, making good money, but I knew, what I wanted to do and where I wanted to get to. So I took the first job that, you know, was available because it's a very hard industry to break into, at least getting out of college. And um, yeah, it was a news reporter gig. And then after about three months there, a job in the sports department opened up. So I jumped on that and I got it. And um, from there, I've been in sports ever since. So from Dalton, Georgia, I moved to Terre Haute, Indiana. And then from Terre Haute, Indiana, I went to Wichita, Kansas. And then from Wichita, Kansas, I went back home to Nesson, and then after four years at Nesson, now I'm down here just outside of New York City uh, with the NHL Network. So yeah, it's been a it's been a journey, and it's taken me all over. But I've met some great people, uh, some of my best friends. My wife, I picked her up along the way in Indiana and stuff. Yeah. You know, I think, and I, I tell again when it comes to advice for certain people, I'm like, if I had just started at Nesson right out of school, it wouldn't have worked. I w- I wouldn't have been ready for that. I made some mistakes along the way and that is part of the growing process in i think the communications industry and the path that i took it's you cut your teeth you learn what's works what doesn't work you kind of become more comfortable with who you are as a broadcaster and uh by the time you get to a regional or a national network you're you're ready for anything that comes your way so yeah i wouldn't be the broadcaster i am today uh without all of those stops along the way when you start out in dalton right you're working the camera and everything Right. You're walking Every, around here. I mean, Dalton all the way up through even Wichita, I, I grabbed the camera and stuff. The first time that, you know, I was told, no, you can't, you can't touch the editor. You can't touch a camera, things like that was finally when I got to a regional network. But again, I, I'm a much better broadcaster because of starting in those small markets, having to shoot, having to produce, having to right. write, having to, you know, do everything. I, I kind of know how to put a story together or I know at least how kind of everything works and all comes together into one kind of final product but going back to that first job right i i actually waited tables five nights a week i was making more money doing that than i was on my television job because i needed to pay for my car and i needed to pay for my apartment so <laughs> right actually, every day i left the news station went and waited tables at night just so i could you know make rent and stuff so yeah it was a grind but you know it, it kind of works out in the end if you stick with it and you know what you want your end game to be mm-hmm. how did the I guess the, the thing we're probably most curious about is how did the NHL network come about? And then what's it like working at the NHL, NHL network? It's got to be yeah. really cool. So how it came about was, um, so I got hired um, at Nesson. I was actually a finalist. So I auditioned at Nesson coming off the Bruins winning the Stanley Cup in 2011. So Catherine Tappen was leaving to go to the NHL network and they knew they needed another host. And so I auditioned. I was a finalist with Dale Arnold, who got the job and is still in that job right now. Right. Um, yep. You know, the ratings are going to be super high. We kind of want somebody who's, you know, been there, done that, and is mm-hmm. well established in this market. 
I was 24 or five. Like I understood that. I totally got it. But they liked what I brought to the table that they hired me to do what was called Nesson Daily at the time, kind of like their sports center highlight show at the end of the night, as well as work on their college hockey product, Hockey East and stuff. So it was a great opportunity for me to go there, uh, really get, you know, my hands dirty doing some different stuff uh, with no teleprompter, hosting a pre and a post and intermissions. I got to work on the bean pots. Um, oh, yeah, that's cool. Chips. Yeah, it was great. Right. And then I also got to fill in on some of the Bruins stuff. So I got to do, you know, Bruins pre and post sometimes. I actually got to do um, I did a Bruins Rangers game, ringside reporter, jumped on the team charter, flew down to Raleigh, did the Carolina Hurricanes game the next day. And out of that, I got a really good resume tape uh, for just strictly hockey. And I knew, you know, after getting that taste that, wow, if I could do this full time, like not, and I love the Patriots and the Red Sox and the Celtics and whatnot, but like hockey is my number one passion. So if I could, if I could parlay that into a full-time hockey gig, that would be awesome. So I had an agent at the time and I kind of, you know, made it known to him, like, Hey, let's explore, but like, let's really hone in on, on the hockey side of things, whether it's working for another team or whatnot. And, you know, I think timing is everything and luck is everything also in this industry. And it, it just so happened to be that the NHL network was pulling out of Toronto and was moving down to the United States um, in Secaucus, New Jersey. And it was going to be run by major league baseball and MLB network. So my agent had really good connections, had some clients already at MLB network and uh, got me an audition at the NHL network. And you know, two weeks later, I was <laughs> selling my house and moving my wife, dog, and and brand new baby <laughs> all the way down here to New Jersey to start a new life and, and work for the national network that is NHL network now. So yeah, it was a it was a absolutely wild ride, but uh, it, it's you know seven years in, I, I I still pinch myself that I get to do this for a living. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So now, how do you find those stories over the summer months, right? When there's no hockey going on here, there is no NHL. Yeah. Yeah. How do you find I mean, things to talk about. Yeah. Well, we have to generate things sometimes. Like we'll come up. <laughs> if you've watched the NHL network in, in the off season, we're doing every countdown that is possible. We're <laughs> top, top 10 left wingers from 1967. <laughs> I mean, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but yeah, we get, we have to get creative. And luckily we work with a lot of creative, talented people, producers, everybody's kind of coming up with ideas and, you know, I think the one thing that has come out of this pandemic is that a lot of the players and coaches now are very familiar with Zoom. So mm -hmm. as before, where you had to get them to either go to like a TV station or or just like call in on the phone, everybody knows how to like kind of accept a Zoom call now. So the last couple of off seasons have actually been very easy as far as, you know, getting guests and, and things like that to fill a, a one hour show uh, Monday through Friday. So it hasn't been too bad. And yeah, but I will say by the end of it, like the last couple of weeks before training camp, everybody just disappears. They don't want to talk to us. They want to focus. They want to enjoy what's left of their uh, off season. And then it's go time. So yeah, we hit the final like two weeks of the summer. And I mean, the players are ready for it. Uh, we as the NHL network, we're ready for it. We just want some live hockey. And, and then that makes our job so much easier when we're just watching and reacting to what's happening on a nightly basis. Yeah. So that nightly basis. So let's go there. Uh, right. I end up, I'll watch one game and that's it. I'm completely occupied. I can't see straight by the time it's over. How do you stay on top of 
everything and then remember everything from each of those different games they've watched and to commentate on it and make it all make sense. Yeah. I mean, we're just in it every day. Right. So when I first, I'll take you back to my first year. Like when I came down to the network, I knew, I knew everything there was to know about the Boston Bruins back of my hand, but I needed to know that about the other at the time, 30, 30 teams in the national hockey league. And so that took some time. Right. But that's my job. I'm in it every single night, five nights a week. We're just watching games, talking about games, reacting to games. Um, so kind of as, as it's developed now, I sit here and I know as much about the Boston Bruins as I do every other team in the NHL, which for me as a hockey fan is really cool because I can talk mm -hmm. with, I can go anywhere in the country and be like, Oh yeah, coyotes. I can talk about them. You know, it's, it's, it's great as a hockey kind of fanatic and a, and a hockey nerd. I love keeping up to date with everything that's going on in the NHL. I also get paid to do that. So it is my job. It's my responsibility to put in the work. Um, but if we go on vacation, we just went to Disney a couple of weeks ago uh, with my kids and you take a week off and I can't, I can't be as involved in watching every game as I would if I was back home. You know, you, you miss a couple of nights. You're like, what just happened in the NHL? <laughs> right. right. Um, but yeah, long answer short. It's I'm in it every single night. We're watching all the games. Uh, we're doing three hour shows, just talking about it. So you're just kind of, you're, you're embedded in it. It's your life. So it's, it's just kind of second nature at this point, you know, and if I wasn't getting paid to do it, I'd be doing it at home anyway. So, right. So what, what, what is your work day like? I mean, obviously you're not working nine to five and then working six to nine or six to midnight. I mean, you'd have no time to eat, sleep or right. say you forget what your wife looked like. Yeah, right? no, it's a very different schedule and you have to have a, a very understanding, you know, spouse as well as children that kind of understand that, you know, you're going to miss some things or you're, you're home during the day and you're leaving, you know, every night almost at dinner time and whatnot. But yeah, I work when the games are on. Right. So, you know, Tuesdays, Thursdays are obviously very heavy NHL nights. And for what we do on NHL tonight, where we're trying to be your remote control, your, your red zone, so to speak, you know, I'm working on most of those nights, longer hours on those nights, but the games and the NHL schedule kind of dictates our schedule, but for the average night, you know, we'll get in, uh, a couple hours before the show, we'll have a, a pre-production meeting where everybody kind of jumps on a Zoom call like this, um, and we'll just kind of go over the the games and what our analysts are kind of looking forward to seeing and, and certain storylines that we're we're keeping an eye on for that night. But mm -hmm. a lot of our show is just react, right? So we just if if it says all right, we're going on at nine o'clock, we we jump on at nine o'clock, and we have no idea how the show is going to play out <laughs> based on who's scoring, who's yeah. Scoring, who's scoring. Yeah, yeah, there's there's literally no script. So TV at the NHL Network is very different than any of other television that I had done prior to getting here. There's no there's no real rundown or script or teleprompter. It's all ad libbed. It's all just watching, reacting. So that goes back to your point of having to know everything about the league. Like I have to know every player, things like that, just because when we see it in real time, boom, like we have to react to that and we have to know uh, each player and stay up to speed with things. So yeah, it's just, it's very reactionary and no two nights are ever the same, which is great because I'm right. not nine to five cubicle kind of guy. That just, that wouldn't work for, yeah. for how I'm wired. Yeah, I was, I don't like it anymore. And I get people no. asking me, you know, calling games, you know, they're like, how do you know everybody's name? Oh, I cheat. I got a piece of paper and yeah. it's just in order. Um, you can't do that with 32 teams with 24 people on each roster and i'll give you a hint coaches. though we've got a really great research department at the nhl network and every day we get a packet of every game 
and each one researcher is assigned to one or multiple games and they write everything that you would ever need to know about that one game so when you watch the nhl network and we're saying something like super smart and you're like wow how did he know that well maybe i didn't know that but it's <laughs> right in front of me or it's something i've read earlier that day so like i said it's it's my job to stay up to speed and stuff but like the the minute details or the fun facts or things like that that's coming from like our research department um prior to our shift or even when we're on air you know we're where we obviously have an ifb and we hear the producer but we also have a researcher in our ear that's uh let's say you know austin matthews scored and be like hey that's you know he's got seven points in his last three games or something just in my ear yeah. and i can uh, i can regurgitate that to you guys <laughs> at home and everybody's like oh wow he's he knows his stuff and it's no i I know some stuff. I don't know everything. So we get a it's lot tough. of, there's a lot of help behind the scenes that, that people don't see as well. Yeah. And yeah. Trey, that's what your job is. Next time yeah. you do an IAC game, you got to come with <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. Well, man. you know, yeah. it's funny because Trey's a huge fan of Vancouver Canucks and you're probably the only person, um, I don't know, around that probably knows anything about the Vancouver Canucks because Trey will tell you, I pod Coles in and every other guy's stats, oh, yeah. but <laughs> Can I ask Trey a question? I want to know how you yeah. feel about Boudreau there now. And yeah, I was just going to ask you. You obviously probably worked with him. I did. Awesome guy, right? And really wanted to get back into coaching. And you know, we were rooting for him. He's such a great guy. He's a hockey lifer, and and he's got so many great stories. But you can just tell that you know he's never won the Stanley Cup. And I think that's what every professional athlete or anybody who ever plays the game of hockey is that's the ultimate achievement is to win the Stanley cup. And he couldn't do that at the NHL network, but he can do that as a coach in the NHL. So yeah, to see he, him. Yeah. I worked with him the night before he got the gig. Yeah. I worked on Tortorella the night before he got that gig. It's like, I'm the, the kiss of death for these guys. <laughs> well, that's a good kiss. Yeah, exactly. Well, as far as our hosts and our analysts, yeah. network, it's like, geez, anytime they work with me, they're gone the next day, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm rooting hard for him. I think he's, he's the perfect coach in that scenario to kind of jumpstart the pieces that were there. They just kind of needed a little kick in the butt or a little reassurance and a little confidence uh, going their way. So, Hey, six and zero at this point, as we're uh, mm -hmm. kind of recording this podcast, we yeah. shall see. I've seen and they got, a, they have a lot of talent. I mean, they are deep. They, yeah. are, they have a lot of talent, especially offensively. St think back to St. Louis in 2019, dead last in December, you know, right. like right. anything can happen. So never say never. And Bruce is the kind of guy he's already taken a Washington team when he took over there that was dead last in the division and won that division in the regular season. So if there's anybody that can kind of flip it on the switch, it's, it's Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah. And so. he, he coached the Capitals right, right before they won the cup, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. And then, Caps, and then he went with the Ducks. Ducks wild. So yeah, he's, I mean, he's a well-respected coach. I think he's coming up on a thousand games behind the bench. Um, so he certainly knows his stuff, but like getting to work with him, getting to know him, uh, he's, he's such a great guy and you can just see why players love to play for him. He's just, yeah, and he made he a, the wild a lot better too. Yeah, exactly. Everywhere he goes, it, the knock on him is he can't get it done in the playoffs and we shall see. There's a lot of coaches that can't get it done because not everybody can win the cup every year. But uh, as far as regular season coaches, he's he's one of the best in NHL history. So, yeah, he, yeah. When he was coaching on Minnesota, they pushed Vegas to a game seven, and exactly. Vegas was one of the like the best teams in the league. You know, exactly. So hey, never say never. The Canucks still have a shot at the playoffs. I I think so. Yep, they're I think they're fifth in their division now because I think they just passed Five. the Sharks. And yeah, exactly. See, you know, I'm, more I'm than hoping. 
Oh, I was hoping a team that had to switch on last year that is quickly off this year. I'm, I'm just hoping we go back to non-position. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, right? I mean, you start off with yeah. a 13-game road trip, which is unprecedented right. because of the brand new arena, which is beautiful. But a 13-game road trip to start the season and then have all the, you know, the adversity that they've faced coming off of that so they get through the 13 game road trip they come home and then covid just runs rampant through their locker room it's literally everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong and we saw that a couple years ago you know dallas stars made the cup final the very next year there's there's power outages in dallas and covid issues and stuff so it's just I mean, it happens. That's why we love sports. It's unpredictable, yeah. right? I think so, a lot of Islander fans were hoping that Leonard's quick visit to the island to the UBS was going to be the gift. And then they're yeah. like, yeah, no, we're not going <laughs> to play hockey now. No, no, hold on a second. We're going to take two days. So that was. I don't uh, know. People, hey, look, there's, there's a lot of smart people at the NHL network that still think the Islanders. I was on with Mike Rupp yesterday, and he thinks. And there, we looked at there. There's a, a slate of games coming up. They have a 10 game stretch. I don't know if it's out of Christmas break or whatnot, but they there's I think it's an 11 game stretch. And he thinks I mean 10 games are very very winnable for that team. So we've seen them go on lengthy stretches uh, mm-hmm. before when it comes to win streaks. So I think you know if they get hot again, I I wouldn't count them out just yet. I mean they have all those pieces still. They just got to get it clicking at the right time. I'm, I started watching hockey in 1979, so I'm hopeful. So, I, I'm just like, it, it can happen. We're there. Hey, there. You tuned into the glory years, that's for oh sure. Oh, my God. He yeah. did. How could I not be an Islander fan? I grew up 20 uh, minutes away from Nassau Coliseum, went yeah. there a lot. I saw a lot of Grateful Dead shows there, too. That's incredible. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so how could I not be an Islander fan? Yeah. So. I was, you know, you brought up, you brought up Mike Rupp and we played, uh, we played a tournament this summer in Danbury. And I, I didn't know that Rupper actually had a run with the trashers. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that, that was during the, uh, the podcast. And I think I was listening to, uh, no, I think I saw it during the show that was on Netflix. And then I yeah. think I was, they were talking about it on spit and chicklets, weren't they Trey? Uh, yeah. we? like, I mean, he's, he's pretty well known in the hockey world, right? Just, yeah. just who he was in a game winning goal, rookie season, game season. seven and whatnot, but he said like his- like his phone and his popularity, once that Netflix thing got released, it's like <laughs> he said he'd seen nothing like it. People all over the world wanting his jersey and stuff like that. It was it was crazy because yeah. he was he was the guy in that documentary that would like come in and save the yep. day. Yep, that's funny. That's yeah, a good story. Yeah. So while we have you, because I'm afraid that you're gonna run out of time. I, I can just imagine that door opening, your wife. Oh grabbing the hook man because i remember you you got a kid that's got to go to practice soon right? yeah a little bit later yeah he's a goalie so he, he needs more time to get all that gear on yeah. i don't know how I, I don't know how i ended up with a goaltender <laughs> the most expensive sport and the most expensive position position right? the, the I, had, position that I don't really know anything about so yeah that's yeah. that's where we're at i had days. two goalies in our house here for a little while cameron uh, played goal for a short bit now he's defense and then my daughter, my youngest daughter, was a goalie up until this season. She started skating out, and she likes playing defense. But um, so Cameron there is a huge Buffalo Sabres fan because of his mother. I mean, she loves – she would still leave me to this day for Pat LaFontaine. Those are the years that she grew up in. Um, but Cameron went and saw his first NHL game with Karen, my wife Karen, out in Buffalo. Uh, he got to see Jack Eichel. I know Cameron loves Jack Eichel. Uh Jack had a sour parting with the Sabres. How do you think he's going to be performing now that he's moved on to his new team? 
Yeah, I think I, look, I think it's I think it'll be a great fit for him because he doesn't have to be the guy. And in Buffalo, he was the guy, and the expectations were so high um, because he was the second overall pick behind Connor McDavid. But I I think Vegas, you know, is a spot. We saw Max Pacioretty go there, and he was a captain in Montreal, a much bigger market with a whole lot more pressure and spotlight on him. And he went to Vegas and. You're just one of the guys, right? You're not the guy. You're just one of the guys. And so I kind of, I foresee that for Jack Eichel going there. And I think his ceiling's even higher than a guy like Max Pacioretty. So mm. I think for Jack, and I think the only thing for Jack is his health. And everybody just wants to see him get back to where he should be and where he can be. Cause I don't even think we've seen his ceiling yet in the NHL. So right. I think his health is first and foremost, and I'm glad that finally got resolved. And now, you know, look, He's joining a Vegas Golden Knights team that started off a little shaky this year and is now finding their stride. And they're the top team in the Pacific Division. And they're going to get the biggest free agent pickup like at the trade deadline or whenever he does decide to, you know, ramp it up and hit the ice again um, in playing capacity. Like it's 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 a perfect fit. They get a top a number one center to to get in the mix there with like Mark Stone and whatnot on that top line. It's Rich get richer. So it's a great fit for Jack. It's a great fit for Vegas. And yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I think, you know, depending on how this plays out in the West, it could be Colorado. It could be Vegas and pick your poison when it comes down to those two teams. But yeah, great fit. I think he'll be playing with like Mark Stone and like Jonathan Marcheseau or something. And I think that'll be a great fit for him. He drove by his house last summer, James. Trey and I oh, drove by oh, his parents' house, and yeah, and, Chelmsford, Chelmsford, right? Chelmsford. and there was a there was a Land Rover in the driveway with with New York plates. I'm like Trey, that's yeah, probably yeah. yeah. It's funny. <laughs> I still go back to my Destin days. I got to see him as a freshman at BU, tear it up. Right. So yeah. That's kind of one of the cool things about you know starting at Nesson, doing the college stuff, and working my way up to the NHL is you know a lot of these guys that I covered as freshmen in hockey East are now in the NHL, Johnny Gaudreau, Connor Hellebuck, like Jack Eichel, like all those guys who are now superstars in the NHL. Like you saw them back when nobody really knew who they were, just playing for UMass Lowell or Boston College or Boston University. So Yeah, how about um, Thatcher Demko? Yeah, he came to Nesson after winning the, you know, the national championship as a freshman, and he was very soft-spoken. So we actually interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, and he's like, hey, I remember you from Nesson and stuff, like when he came <laughs> Jerry York. And so it's, it's kind of cool to have those relationships with these guys as they kind of, you know, climb the professional ranks. It's really neat. Um, I was just wondering uh, what has been your favorite goal so far this season? Cool. Favorite <laughs> goal this season. Oh my goodness. Uh, I think the Zegers one, right. With Sonny Milano and that, yep. because now I'm, I go to my kids practice and everybody's trying it. I know you two guys have tried it, <laughs> right? A lot of me. Everybody's yep. trying. So to pull that one off, the creativity was uh, was pretty unbelievable. And to, to have the guts to pull that off in an NHL game is just, you know, that's where these kids are at these days, the creativity and stuff and, and the willingness for these coaches to let them try that. I think, I think the NHL and the game of hockey is in a great place right now. But I'd also be remiss to say Connor McDavid just undressing like four players for the Rangers and the Jets in like consecutive games and stuff. That was pretty ridiculous as well. Yep. That, uh, that Malcolm Subban save the other day, not goal, but that Malcolm Subban save was uh, uh, like, that was, he was out I of his mind. I can't explain it. And that's why I don't, I, I can't, you know, like your, your body's not supposed to work that way. Right. He doesn't, they asked him, they're like, what, what's your glove hand doing behind your blocker? He's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Right. So, all right. Goalies. I, I'll, I know it. I have a son. He's a goalie. They're a weird breed, man. So 
Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. so a, a couple of interesting tidbits, um, and then we could probably put a wrap on this because I know you got stuff to do. Um, I think we have Coach Flanagan on from the SU women's team on Monday, which is going to be really cool. He's the head coach of the Syracuse women's Division One program, so uh, that's really cool. And um, on a Trey front, I reached out to Elliot Friedman today because Trey is a diehard Elliot Friedman fan, trying to get him to uh, give us 15 minutes of his time. So if you have any influence or see him in your crossing his path, say, hey, there's a guy that reached out to you to jump on a podcast. I can do that. Elliot, Elliot is awesome. He's a great He's guy. So smart. He's, oh my gosh. Work with him all the time. Yeah. And much like I said about Bruce and a, a lot of people in hockey, like it's as good as they are and as professional as they are, they're just, they're great people like off yep. the air and, and who you see with Elliot on air is who you get with Elliot off the air. He's got time for everybody. He's a great family guy. So yeah, it's, if you can get him, then uh, you're, yeah. You're, podcast celebrity status goes goes way above me that's he's he's awesome he's a huge get he's the insider he's like he, he seems he to have all the information for everybody that's the toughest job in hockey is i mean his phone yeah. is always on and you talk about like having that work-life balance and i mean yeah. he like, if if you miss something like that's your job is to be the insider you're supposed to break the news and it's mm-hmm. it's how much harder yeah. these days. i don't i don't envy envy that job at all because he is always on call Awesome. Yeah. How do you get in front of Twitter and, and, you know, Twitch and all this stuff? It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's passed me by like TikTok. I stopped Instagram and now I I can't, I can't keep up. And now my kids are having that. They're like, Oh yeah. TikTok dancing and stuff. And I'm just like, Oh, this is, this is where (laughs) we come to now. So yeah, no. Right. I'm with you. I've seen that stuff and I'm like, Oh, 30 seconds. Oh, I could crush that. I could own that. I couldn't be bothered with that. You know, then I learned how to use it and it's dead in two weeks. And I'm like, ah, come on. It took me long enough to figure it out. So I'm done. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. That's where I'm at. Hey, uh, here's your chance, Cameron, Trey, any last questions for um, the NHL Network and Jameson Coyle? I wanted to know, uh, when you played as a kid, what uh, what position did you play? Ooh, uh, I was a right winger. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, right winger most of the time. And I guess my best attribute was probably my speed, just trying to avoid getting crushed and, and work That's out Kim. all the time. I got, I got, I get hit pretty hard in a couple of those games. But yeah, I was, yeah, I, was I, like, I, I play defense. Sometimes I'll take it up because I'll take it up to avoid getting hit. Cause if I get hit, sometimes I'm like just that right amount away from the board that I can yeah. take that fall and like hit like the side of my head or my shoulder into the board. It's yeah. happened like one time against Kenton and Kenton. Nice. Yeah, I wasn't and, the fastest. I wasn't the strongest, but I, I prided myself on being smart and just kind of knowing where I had to be and stuff like that. So it worked yeah, out yeah. to a degree. But then, like I said, the, the talent, it passed me by, and that's why I work in TV talking about hockey now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Cameron does a pretty good job of his speed, and I think he likes defense because defensemen typically don't get checked. He can yeah. snake his way up into the – into the O zone and then snake his way back and just wait for the puck again. He's got to work on those shoulders if he wants to lay the hits. And actually, you know, hitting, that's something too that I'm wondering how this is going to transcend. USA Hockey passed a lot of rule changes over the summer. I mean, a lot of rule changes. Um, Removing a lot of the physicality from the play, especially at the younger ages, taking out icing or, you know, the ability to ice a puck without getting called and all penalty play. 
So they, they've done a lot of work improving the the stick handling, the passing, and that neutral zone play. Also, I feel. Yeah. How do you? What do you think? How that's going to transcend as you move up into college in the NHL? I think we're already seeing it, right? Like just watch the World Juniors coming up and look at where the Americans are. And we're talking about the Sonny Milanos and the Trevor Zegerses, and like that skill starts because of some of those rule changes that you mentioned. And and yeah. just seeing, seeing my kids play and like a half sheet with smaller nets and stuff. Like when I played at that level in mites, like we spent half the time chasing the puck that went all the way down the, <laughs> way down the ice. Right, right. So I think USA hockey has learned uh, and has a, a really great development model uh, to really teach skill and let skill be the, the driving factor for these kids uh, kind of growing up and going through the system. I mean, Austin Matthews is, is a prime example. He played on mini rinks out in Arizona up until I don't even know how old he was before he, he hit a full sheet, maybe even like 12, 13. But like, you wonder why this guy can shoot it in, in a telephone booth. It's because he's so used to just the skill and having to, to be creative and, and use his skill in such a, a small sheet of ice and stuff. So I think USA Hockey, you know, knows exactly what they're doing. And I think a lot of those rule changes is to just kind of enhance the, the skill set of the, uh, the younger players that, translates to what we'll see not only in you know the world juniors but we see it on a daily basis in college hockey as well as the national hockey league it's crazy yeah, yeah i i agree uh from what i've seen at first seeing some of those rule changes like this is ridiculous it's nothing like what's going on in the real world but just even as this season has progressed watching how well that neutral zone play has advanced is, is fantastic like i think last year Cameron and Trey's team, they played a girls team of the same age. And I told Cameron beforehand, I said, they're going to own you because girls have to pass. And, yep. and they did. <laughs> but I think right. after this year, even um, these boys can hang with the girls of the same age, you know, remove yeah. checking and uh, they'll actually yeah. know what to do now. Just the, the skill is ridiculous, whether it's, you know, male, female, it just, it doesn't matter. The skill compared to when I was growing up and stuff like that, like just, it, they teach it now right like back for us it was like power skating stuff like that it was it was the weight room it was how much you could bench and stuff they i mean weights aren't even a big thing anymore it's even in the nhl these guys they don't pump the iron in the summer it's all about pliability flexibility and just you know being limber and skillful and things like that so i think the game is has changed and changed for the better and that's why we're seeing such a fast wide open skillful uh nhl these days it's, it's yeah great. Have, have you ever seen a Nils Hoaglander on, on the unicycle oh, juggling. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, well, hey, we're getting close. We've uh, we've taken a lot of your time. I think uh, we've got a lot of questions in, and um, it was a really interesting interview. I'll tell you that. That's yeah. for sure. And That's and awesome. Jameson, with your track record of people hanging with you and then getting that call the next yeah. time answer my phone on that first ring yeah. all day tomorrow yeah. i'm thinking uh, know, maybe we, kevin we, weeks we, will call, call us tomorrow, maybe I mean, weeks you'll call us tomorrow. friedman yeah, i know Who knows? Right? <laughs> yeah no, i've got a great track record for that it's ridiculous <laughs> Borton was another one last show then he goes to montreal so really there's something that's, in the water yeah so if you funny. want the promotion come come do an nhl tonight with me the night before i tell <laughs> Well, I'm available if that's what you're saying. I'm here. <laughs> Dan's looking. Dan's job hunting. Everybody's left and right. Like I just said, analysts are going down. They're getting promoted. <laughs> Next man up, as they say in sports. Right. That's right. That's right. Well, I think we're going to drop this live uh, Christmas morning. I think it's good. It'll be our Christmas edition. Um, yep. So look for that. Awesome. And, uh, 
Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on guys. It was a pleasure and uh, yeah, Merry Christmas, happy holidays to you and all your, uh, your listeners out there. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, guys. And Thank you as, very much. Hey, Jameson, as we say, right, don't wait for it to be a good day. Make it a Make great it day. Make it a great day. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We'll see you later, James. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yeah. All right. Great chat with you.